You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Sarah Lubin. Sarah, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Sarah, we're going to talk about your show at Nancy Margulis Gallery called Frames. And uh, to begin with, I I really like looking through these paintings. And uh, I I want to ask you just about the title, Frames. Uh, Where did that come from? In in one way, it seems to reflect the the really interesting framing you're doing on all of these in terms of the composition. But yeah, what were you thinking with that title, Frames? Um, It came to me early on in in working on this series of paintings. I just, um, I, not that I think this, this work is vastly different from what I've been making before, but I, I did feel like there were a number of ways in which I kept finding ways to um, contain certain parts of the painting or the composition in certain ways, whether it was to illuminate colors or shapes or patterns or um, or some more specificity about a figure. Um, so it just seemed uh, like an apt word somehow <laughs> for for the entire um, series, as well as as the gestures themselves of the figures serving to create angles and um, some kind of device to to embrace other parts. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's so interesting because that's that's to me what's so kind of endlessly fascinating in these is is the composition, the color, and, and how the figures are within the the frame, so to speak. For for example, there's one called vignette, and in vignette, which is uh, this is oil on canvas, right? The others are, yeah. or they're, they're, there's different things happening here, but there's also acrylic gouache on, on canvas or linen. But vignette, um, yeah, there there is a sort of black outline and part of it, like the way you'd see sometimes a vignette. But this, this foreground and space is, I think, quite different than, than several others here because we're not clear exactly where the figure is. And so, so maybe we should talk about yeah. this one in terms of the, the frame, because it's an unusual one in this series, isn't it? Yes. Yes and no. Maybe in that it, the, that black curved um, shape does maybe create a more stark framing device or a contrast with the imagery inside, um, but I think I I was I was thinking about um, I mean this painting went through many different <laughs> versions, but um, I'd used this this shape that I found quite beautiful that I'd seen I I'm I'm trying to remember some of the sources because I often uh, lose lose track of where I saw something and I take photos and I make sketches, but I don't, you know, hold on to where they came from. But I think it was some maybe Rococo um, kind of vessel of some kind that I've seen in a museum that had this device of framing and I sort of cropped it and I 
changed entirely everything about that shape except that I wanted to use it somehow in a painting. And in this painting, it had I had that shape uh, painted, but also it had been more transparent in the past. And when you see this painting in person, you can see that some of the patterning from the background comes through even in the black paint. Um, but I think I just decided there was a moment where I just thought I, I, could, I could change it, have more overlap or juxtaposition between the background and this framing device, or I could start using this as maybe a picture frame that is showing a reflection so that, in fact, the, the framing does um, resonate as a way of seeing. So you're looking through or you're looking at a, a bounced or a reflected version of an image, if that's making sense. I'm not sure. It does. It does. Um, no, it's, it's it's yeah, hard to go into all that digital that 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 that, that framing kind of um, detail, but that makes that does make sense to me. Uh, yeah, that's it's a, it's a complex thing to explain really, and uh, there's there's others in here. I'd love to talk about the ones. Some are very small. The one we just talked about was quite large. Um, the yes. smaller works, and we'll talk about larger works again too. But the smaller works are. Are gouache on linen, and these are twelve by twelve. Um, these, do you feel like before we talk about specific ones, working with gouache on linen as opposed to oil on canvas, and, and the difference in scale uh, mm -hmm. presents different uh, challenges or opportunities? Yeah. Yes, I, I would say both. I think um, some of the the color, the colors look different. They're, they're not as glossy. There's a certain um, just purity to the color that uh, in the acrylic gouache is, has a nice effect because it doesn't reflect light as much. So the color sometimes, in some ways um, has a nice, uh, a different kind of presence to it, especially on the smaller scale. Whereas the oil paintings, um, which I almost always use oil for the larger scale paintings. They just reflect the light in a juicier way. There's just more um, to the color, particularly when I move up in size, that I, I want to translate. Um, so I, I like the oil for that reason. Um, but uh, I like both. I like both. It's, it's nice to have a water-based media um, because it's um, easier to work from home if necessary and it uh, just provides different challenges even in, in texture I think that is that's interesting and um, yeah I, I really enjoy working in both mediums. So to talk about one of the gouaches, there's one called Strand, and this is three figures on a beach, and uh, well, that's what it looks to be um, t to me. And um, and and what's interesting about this is that the colors used compositionally. There's great things happening here with lines, and it takes you through the canvas and in a number of different ways. Uh, but but also the choice of colors. Uh, 
from a kind of skin tone to also various shades of green, which seem to completely work, but one figure or, or two figures in this, um, their skin tone is green, which, which I love. Yeah. And I, I had grew up with a painting that was kind of like that in my living room, actually. Um, yeah, tell me about that, yeah. because that's a, that's a bold choice. And for some reason, it's working here, too. It doesn't seem off. seems like it could be shadow, but I don't believe it is. Um, but it has yeah. that feeling. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm glad it, I'm glad it, it's working <laughs> for for you at least. I I I think it had come about because I'd done um when I started the painting, I I wasn't convinced of where it was going and I I put just a a glaze of um of a kind of yellow green color on it and I um and I just I liked I liked it, and so I, I kept leaving it in spots, and in particular in those two figures. And I just thought it didn't feel um, removed from from at least the reality that I was creating enough to change. So I, I liked that it worked on on its own color terms, and it worked within the atmosphere of the painting itself. So um, yes, it's, it's not it's not necessarily naturalistic, but it it does feel right for the painting to have that the green thing figured. Yeah, it does. It, it's so interesting when that happens. And and there's um, to move back to some of the larger ones. There's one called Index, which is oil on canvas. And this is the one when I was looking through these and thinking about the the title. The framing in this one is is particularly interesting to me. It, it almost looks like the figure is, is is pushing up at the top of the frame. Her hand is almost right at it, and then there's another figure that's that's reaching in, that's kind of disembodied. We just see an, uh, a hand and, a, and, a, and an arm. Um, yes. I'd, lo- I'd love to talk more about this because I'm, I'm also wondering like how this is done. This looks like. Uh, yeah, has has a narrative feeling. Obviously, someone's reading. There's someone else there that is 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 uh, kind of aware and, and part of the scene, but we don't know what that person is doing. So, yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about the narrative in this, but also how these are set up. Are these uh, taken from life in terms of photographs or or drawn first? How is the um, composition worked out? I always. Um, I always draw first. I, I have, I mean, I have, I, I do use photographic references often, um, whether they're my own or just images from online when I've searched for certain kinds of, I don't know, poses or um, I don't, yeah, just or, or just random ad, ads, advertisements, <laughs> um, movies, things like that. So I, this one. I think I had um, I had some photographic reference, and I usually have something that gives me an idea. Okay, well, I'd, I'd love to use that figure in this shape of canvas, especially for this one. Um, and and I had the basic uh, overlapping of the two legs, and I, I I sort of shoved the the posture a little bit more. I, I squeezed her in and I wanted the physicality of that main figure to take over 
the entire composition. And then within that, I was figuring out, so, you know, one leg is sort of pushing towards one side of the painting, and then one arm is pushing up against another side, and um, and her back is being pushed in by both the back of whatever she's sitting on, the couch, but also the frame of the canvas. And then I felt that there was so much complexity in that figure that I I wanted to simplify some of the um, color and shapes around in the space. So the greens and blue-greens and purples. But I still felt, felt there was a need for some other... There was, something was missing in that top right. And I... Um, and I just, I was just scrolling through photographs and um, I, I'm not sure if this was from a magazine article. I saw a figure with this arm on, holding on to the edge of the couch. And I just thought I, that shape just would work beautifully as well as how it could imply something for this space. So I, it's usually a combination of what I, what I'm looking for, and then and then trying to use you know various sources of inspiration to make it happen. And then I also just invent. Um, I invent a lot within that, so it's not always doesn't always come from some specific source. But once I have a few ideas going, then I start to work within that um, set of sort of limitations and opportunities and that makes sense thanks for thanks for sharing that I, I i also wanted to ask about the the characters in in all of these you know there's um i don't want to say a specific narrative but but the way light's used and the way the characters often are are interacting but not quite interacting has a uh, almost contemplative or existential kind of copper-esque sort of uh, feeling or, or look about, um, you know, maybe loneliness isn't the right word, but, but some kind of um, thoughtfulness, some kind of inward thoughtfulness. And uh, what that may be just yeah. me and my read on this whole thing, or maybe that's a stretch. What do you think about that in terms of the sort of world these characters inhabit and what that, what that communicates? Um. I think I, I think they I, I think <laughs> I think I think they're thinking. I think that generally there is a, a, a an inwardness to the figures. They're not. Um, I wouldn't. I, I I don't think of them as passive, but they're not in extreme modes of action. They're in in a in an atmosphere of of thought and um, and maybe uh, interpretation of what's going on around. So yes, I I I think that's true. There there's something um, that's being internalized within the figures, but at the same time, I think there's some 
something about the world they're inhabiting that is feeding into the thinking of, of so the people. So that's that's a type of storyline, right? Would you go that far to say there is a narrative, there is a storyline here, even if it isn't something that's entirely accessible to the to the viewer in terms of what the story or narrative is. There is a there is a through line. These these characters seem related somehow, and their and their experiences are somehow related, or they're grappling with with similar thoughts, or, or no? Um, with each other within. The painting yeah, I think with, the, the, with each other. I mean, I'm thinking more of like sort of the larger story that they're that they're kind of yeah. creating. You know, when looking at all the work, we like actors in a film, we begin to get to know all of these all of these figures in in some degree by by their gestures, by their looks, by their eyes, yeah. and, and of course their settings. So, yeah, yeah, just asking about the sort of like a larger narrative of that, which feels. Um, which obviously feels all of a piece, but that, that yeah. there is a, a story being imparted without telling yes. us the story, but it, but it seems so clear that there is one. Yes, I, th- I think if not if not ten or twelve, I mean I, I do I do even when I um, experience them while making them and then looking at them afterwards, I there are a, a lot of implied stories for me and I think that the idea that there isn't a literal um, one literal meaning that I hope people to get uh, that's definitely not how I think about it I I like the idea that there's um, multiple interpretations but that there is a cohesion to the painting, the composition as a whole, and the the narrative of the of the figures within the story of the painting. So it's the the formal elements uh, go hand in hand with the meaning of the painting, both in narrative and in terms of its visual components. I like that. It's a it's a beautiful work and a beautiful show, and I want to thank you for for putting this together. There'll be links here, so of course people can see more images and also come to the um, the closing reception of the show in Tribeca. I, I want to ask you one more question before we go, which is off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? Um, I am reading a stroll with William James, <laughs> which is a book by. Jacques Barzin, um, and I I tried reading William James once, but I didn't get very far. But I I decided I wanted to read this book um, that has been very interesting to me. And I actually was thinking about it in relation to one of my paintings because the painting bookmark. I was looking at it and I was thinking, this is every couple of paragraphs I have I pause and I try to make sense of what I've just read in this book and I'm I'm a slow reader in general but especially when I'm reading something that is complex and dense and so I um, I associate that pause in the reading 
with that painting. And the book is about William James as a philosopher and psychologist and what his um, work entailed. And he's a fascinating um, man and writer, as is Jacques Barzin. So that's, that's what I'm reading at the moment. Well, thanks for sharing that. That does sound fascinating. And, and Sarah, I want to thank you for putting together this beautiful show and, um, and for your time today talking with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>